You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Turn to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. So the preacher two weeks ago announced this theme of extra mile and extra mile Christian living and what that looks like. And I know he preached, I was out, but he preached last Sunday on this topic as well. And I began to think about what does being an extra mile Christian really look like, you know, today. And today in Genesis 22, we're going to go back to Mount Moriah and see what extra mile faith really looks like. Uh, I want you to start thinking right now about your faith. How's your faith today? Everyone in the room today, just take a minute and ask yourself, how's my faith? What does my faith look like today? Because the fact is, if we're all honest, there are times in our life when our faith is strong and there are times when it's weak, amen? There are times when our faith is formidable and there are times we doubt. Or I hope that's the case. It's the case for me. So how's your faith? Because we're going to see in this chapter a very familiar passage we'll read about an extreme level, you could call an extra mile level of faith. And I want to go dive into that today. Our our theme that Pastor gave us a couple of weeks ago was in Matthew chapter 5 where it said, if a man asks you to go a mile, go two. And I know he's already went through that. We're not going to do that today. But I did look at that before we dive into Genesis 22 I looked at that passage this week, and there's some things in there I thought, man, this is extra mile stuff. Right after he told Jesus, told his disciples, if a man asks you to go a mile, go two, he said this, he said, love your enemies. That's extra mile, amen? Does anybody else have trouble loving their enemies? I struggle with that. Right after that, he said, bless them that curse you. Have you ever been cursed out? Unfortunately, most of us have. Do you want to bless them that curse you? Probably not. He then says, do good to them that hate you. So when's the last time someone said they hated you and you immediately thought, man, I want to do something nice for them? Not the way we think, is it? Then he says, pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying this. When it comes to extra mile Christian living, we can't do it. Only the power of the Holy Spirit through us. This kind of stuff takes a high level of spirituality in our life. And I'm not one of these preachers that talks about being perfect or sinless or holier than thou, but there is available to you and I the resources we need. There is available a spiritual power where we can actually learn to love people that don't love us. There's a spiritual power available, church, listen, where you can learn to pray for people that hate you. I'm not saying I'm there today. I'm saying there's a power available. You want to be an extra mile Christian? It's not going to be easy. I told the first service, salvation is a free gift. Living like an extra mile Christian is very costly. And so we need to consider that today. 
Because we can't do that. Only God can do that through us. And it really involves this. It involves if the Holy Spirit is going to control us and work through us, it involves giving Him more control. Amen? How many control freaks do we have in the service? Anybody a control freak? We got some honest people here, Lillian, preacher. My wife should have raised her hand. Anyway. <laughs> we have control. We like control, don't we? Man, one of the greatest, and I'm like that too, but one of the greatest things I've learned to do as I'm getting older, and, and some of this does come with age, is I'm learning to let go. I, I'm learning to let go more. And it's so much liberty in that. So as we go into this message, maybe that's you today. Maybe you could just start this sermon off today by saying, Lord, help me to learn to let go and give you more control of my life. So what about this man of Abraham and this faith? Let's read it. Chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. We'll read the, the whole passage. And then we'll dive into it. I want to break it down because when we see this level of faith, sometimes we read it like I did the first time and said, man, I couldn't do that. I, I don't think I'll ever get here with my faith. But you can. Let's read it together. Verse 1, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. And when it says he tempted him, it just means he tested him. God would never tempt man with evil. He tested him and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon the one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad. We'll go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the offering, and he laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand, and he knife. And they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Man, when he said that, I've often wondered, I wonder what went through Abraham's mind when his son looked at him and said, Where's the lamb? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called out unto him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold him, a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. 
And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. Today I want you to go back with me to Mount Moriah and let's take a deeper look at this extra mile faith of Abraham. I want to give you three statements about faith before we dive into it though. Kind of set the tone for the message. Number one, in your bulletin, in your worship guide, Number one, in Hebrews chapter, chapter 11, verse 6, the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It says it's impossible. Now, it doesn't say in that verse that it's 90% unlikely you'll please God without faith. It doesn't say that it's a 50-50 chance. It says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so I want you to know today, as we look at the life of Abraham, if you and I want to please God with our life, I think we would all say we want to please God. It's going to take faith. It's not an option. God says it's impossible. You've got to have faith. As I think about my children and my grandchildren now, I think, Lord, help me to teach them the importance of faith. If I really want my kids to have a life that pleases God, they've got to have faith. Because it's impossible without it. Number two, three statements about faith. The disciples said to the Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. And so another thing we notice is the disciples here had seen Jesus perform miracles. They had seen it live. They had walked with God. And yet they said, Lord, we need more faith. And right after, when they said that, if you look that up, I believe in a verse or two before that, Jesus told them, you need to learn how to forgive your brother. Right after that, they said, increase our faith. And so if the disciples needed more faith, I know I do. How many of you in here would say, I need more faith in my life? If we're all honest, we all want more faith in our life. God, give us more faith. And then statement number three in 1 Peter chapter 1, and I hope that I've got it right here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 7. The Bible says that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So the third statement is faith must be tested to mature. 1 Peter 1, 7. It must be tested. All this kind of points us to Genesis 22 about the faith of Abraham on this day. Abraham had a very mature faith, a very strong level of faith in this account. Now, if we're all honest here, many of us may say we read this account. The first, first time I ever read this account, I thought, I, I can't have this kind of faith. I couldn't offer up my son. Lord, I don't, I don't know what this kind of faith is all about. But then as I learned and grew, I, I realized this, church. Listen, God will never ask you to offer up one of your children. Let's just say that today. God put this account in his word. Listen, he put this in here to give us an example of what he did for us. See, this account of Abraham offering up Isaac is a beautiful picture of what God did for us. So he needed a demonstration. He needed an example. So he gives us that. 
this message, this passage of initially saying, I could not have this kind of faith. I couldn't offer it one of my children. Is really more about the maturity of the faith here. And God wants us to know, yes, you can have this kind of faith. You can trust God when it seems like you can't. You can believe God and trust Him when you're on the brink. You can believe and trust God when you're at your worst. So I want you to know that this morning. You quickly see in the life of Abraham, though, this too, before we get started, is it didn't just happen this day. The level of faith that we see in chapter 22 didn't just happen that morning when Abraham got up and said, I'm going to have a high level of faith today. It takes testing. It takes time sometimes. And that's what I want to dig into. The very first thing it says here in verse 22, and it came to pass, and what's the next three words in your Bible? Mine says, after these things. It came to pass after these things. Well, what were these things? Because the level of faith that Abraham displayed here, that is such an extra mile high level, came to pass after these things. Well, go back to chapter 12. And we'll dig into this this morning. Go back to chapter 12. Abraham's faith, number one in your notes, had a foundation. It had a foundation. Look at verses 1 through 3 with me today. The Bible says in chapter 12, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto land which I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee. And make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And then in verse 4 it says, So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and the Lord went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when this happened. So the first thing we notice here is after these things, in your notes today is Abraham's faith had a foundation, and that foundation was obedience. It was obedience. After these things is when this faith came. This level of faith does not come easily. It does not come passively. The level of faith we see here in chapter 2 only comes after it's been tested. And the Bible says back in chapter 12 that God told Abraham, He said, I want you to leave your homeland. I, I want you to leave your father. Leave your possessions. Abraham, I want you to depart from, from your homeland. And he didn't even tell him where to go. But the Bible says in verse 4 that he departed. So we see immediate obedience. This kind of faith that we're looking at today, this high level of faith that you and I long for, I believe as we study after these things, these things were many times when God would call on Abraham and he would obey. Amen? I want you to know, Brother Scott said it, the connection between a high level of faith and obedience is very strong throughout the Bible. Hey, church, what I'm saying is, listen, we can't live any way we want to and expect to have a high level of faith. Amen? We can't just do whatever we want to do and expect our faith to grow. 
It still takes, listen, it still takes an obedient life for God to grow us in our faith. Abraham immediately obeyed. What would you have said when God said, hey, I want you to leave everything you know, everything you're comfortable with, and I want you to go somewhere, but I'm not even going to tell you where to go. Well, I would have said no. Nope, ain't doing it. Not going to go. I would have at least said, Lord, give me some time to think about it. Have you ever told God no? Has any of you ever told God no or no, I'm not going to do that? Or The key to this faith of Abraham that we see in chapter 22, Abraham has a pretty good record of saying yes to God, of saying yes and obeying God. In your notes, his, his faith was built on obedience. We see immediate obedience when he left his homeland. We just read that. Immediate obedience. Now, I'm not one of these preachers that teaches delayed obedience is disobedience. I believe that obedience, even if it's delayed, God can bless. I believe that. Because I've seen that in other accounts in Scripture. But what I want to teach you today is it is required to grow your faith. All throughout Scripture, it's just there. You can't get away from it. And I'm afraid today in our culture, even in Christian culture today, in a watered-down version many times of Christianity, people feel like, They can live however they want to live and still have a high level of faith, and it's just not in Scripture. It still takes obedience, church. It still takes saying yes to God when you don't understand. It's still trusting God when you don't agree. It's still obeying God when He's asking you to do something you don't want to do. I remember when we moved back here 13 years ago now, I was thinking about that uh, the other day as I was putting this message together. And, and my job was in Mississippi. I still work over there. And we were praying about moving back. God began to deal with me about moving back. And there were some spiritual reasons uh, for my children. There was other things going on with our oldest son's addiction. There was things going on, and we just prayed. And I, at first, I was like, God, I don't want to do this. I don't want to uproot, move my family. I'm going to be driving unbelievable miles to work. I still do that today. I, I'll put between 100 and 150,000 miles on a car every three years working. God, I, I don't want to do this. I, I don't agree with this. And it took a while But I finally said yes to God. And I can tell you, church, He grew my faith. God's done things I didn't know He would do in my life. I eventually obeyed and my faith grew. This is not in your notes, but it is something to bring up. Many times, an important decision in your life is a great opportunity for God to grow your faith. Big decisions in your life can really be a time for growth. So think about that the next time you have a a major decision to make. So God grew 
My faith. Abraham had immediate obedience here when he left his homeland. We're not going to read the verses today, guys up, up top. We're not going to put the verses on the, on the screen. But in Genesis 13, verses 7 through 13, and this is in your notes today, in your worship guide, if you'll put this down, we see immediate obedience when he separated from his nephew Lot, whom he loved. So God said, Abraham, I want you to leave your homeland. And in verse 4, he's departed. In the next chapter, God said, I want you to separate yourself from Lot. And he obeyed. Lot was his nephew. The Bible says he loved Lot. He loved him. And God said, I want you to separate yourself from him. And Abraham obeyed God again. He said yes to God again. He didn't have to think about it. He didn't have to sleep on it. He was living a good life. The Bible tells us he loved Lot. A couple of chapters later, Lot gets captured, and he goes and rescues him. He loved him. But God said, separate yourself from him, because God knew Lot was going to choose the wrong path. And he knew Abraham needed to get away from him. And Abraham obeyed. In your notes, obedience to God often means leaving one thing to receive something even better. I think about my own life and how many times I may have missed out on something better because I didn't obey. I think about times in my life when I could have made a choice, a decision, and I resisted. I said no. And you know what, church? I probably missed out on something better God had for me. I want you to know no matter where you are today, God probably has something better for you. He's got more for you. Hey, I want you to know you may be here today depressed and putting on a front. God has more for you. You may be here today broken and nobody knows it. God has more for you. You may be here today and living a good life. Hey, here's the danger you may seem like things are great. God may begin to work on you about something. Because, hey, even though things are good, my, God might have something better. Man, I want my kids and my grandkids to know that sometimes it's very dangerous to settle. I think too many times in my Christian life I've settled. Well, things are good. You know, I've got a good job. I've got a great small group. I've got this or that. God it may have something better, but it's going to take great obedience. God may have an opportunity for you to grow, but you've got to be willing to get out of your comfort zone. Just as Abraham, no doubt, was in a comfort zone, God had to pull him out of it because he had something better for Abraham. He had Canaan waiting on him. And God may have something better for some of you. Man, I think about... When we left here in 1999, we joined Gospel Light about six months after it started. It was just me, Sonia, and, and our youngest son, Garrett. And, uh, well, our two, we had two babies and Garrett, actually. But, no, it was just Garrett, wasn't it, Sonia? Yeah, it was just Garrett. Taylor and Landon came along later. So, But when we came here, we'd been here about six years, and God began to deal with my heart then about taking a position in Mississippi. And I said, no. 
No, I don't want to go. And God began to work in my heart, and I was like, man, I love it here. I, we're in a growing church. My, my wife loves it here, Lord. I, I don't want to go, Lord. I, and God kept dealing with me. And I finally gave in. And I said, yes. And we uprooted and moved again. And you know what, church? God grew me. He gave me the opportunity to teach and preach. He gave me the opportunity. Some of the things I was doing here, God gave me the opportunity to pastor a church. God had something at that time in my life. He had something I needed that was better for me. It wasn't better church or anything. I'm not saying that. But for my situation, God said, I'm going to put you here for a while because I've got something here that's going to be better for you right now. Maybe some of you today need to realize God may have something better. Don't settle for your comfort zone. God pulled Abraham out of his comfort zone and he had something better for Abraham. You know, as I study Abraham's life, and I would ask you the question, so Abraham, man, God told him to leave his homeland, he left. God told him, separate yourself from this nephew you love, and you did it. He obeyed and he obeyed. But was Abraham perfect? No. You know, it used to bother me as a young Christian when I would read Romans chapter 4, and you don't need to turn there, where the Apostle Paul said this about Abraham. It said he staggered not at the promises of God, but was strong in his belief. Man, that used to kind of bother me. I used to say, well, Lord, how, you know, you say he staggered not, but y'all remember when he lied about his wife being his sister because he didn't want the Egyptians to kill him. Sarah must have been so beautiful that he said, this is my sister, this ain't my wife. He said, they'll kill me if they think she's my wife. I said, isn't that staggering? God, isn't that, you know, he lied about this, isn't that, you said in Romans that he never staggered, but isn't that staggering? Then y'all remember when God told him he was going to have a son, Isaac, and he was 100 years old, and he laughed, amen? He laughed. Sarah, they both laughed. Isn't that staggering? I thought, man, it sure seems like he staggered here, God. Yet the Bible says Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. I used to think, didn't he stagger? But as we look at this high level of faith, there's an important lesson to learn about this. Listen, God, I'm not sure if this is in your notes. Yes, it is. Next note. We see impatience and unbelief when God told Abraham that he and Sarah would have a son. But ultimately, we see obedience and faith. The next note is this. We are reminded, listen church, that God didn't define Abraham's life by his failures but defined his life by how he responded to them and his faith over a lifetime. I used to say, didn't he stagger? But I realize today, church, God does not define our life and our level of faith by isolated mistakes. He does not define our life by our failures in life. If we'll repent and respond correctly to our failures and our mistakes... Hey, and our wrongdoings, if we'll repent and, and respond correctly, God will look at our life in its entirety. 
I believe the reason Paul put that in there later is to let us know, hey, quit judging yourself by your past failures. Quit judging yourself by an isolated mistake or an isolated problem in your life or an isolated failure. Don't hang that over your head. Don't let anybody else hang that over your head. Hey, stay obedient to God. And when your time comes, God's going to look at your life as a whole. He's going to look at your life in its entirety. And I believe what he's teaching us here, when he looked at Abraham and the complete life of Abraham, he said, this man never staggered at my promise because overall it was a life of faithfulness, a life of obedience, a life of faithfulness to God. Now, as people, we tend to judge people by their mistakes, amen? I mean, we tend to hang something over someone's head. I, I've, seen, I've seen people hold one failure over someone else's head for a lifetime. I've seen people hold one mistake over someone else's head for a lifetime. That's not how we're supposed to live. I've seen the devil hold a failure over someone and keep them in bondage for a lifetime. Maybe someone made a critical mistake. I've shared this with y'all about our son's addiction problems for 11 to 12 years. And I've prayed every day and I've actually counseled my son. And he may listen to this message, but I want him to know that his past failures do not need to define his life. God can still raise him up. God can still heal him. He can still be a good dad. He can still be a good husband. He can still, hey, follow God. And, and God, look at his life. Even a young man that come out of addiction and say, hey, he wound up not staggering at my promises. He wound up being faithful. He wound up loving me. I'm glad it's how you finish and not how you start. Don't hold people's mistakes over their head. Man, when I finally figured that out, it was so much liberty in that with me. God, I'm so thankful that you don't hold grudges, amen? That when I doubt you, you don't hold that over my head because we as people tend to do that to other people. We throw stuff up in people's faces, don't we? Well, remember when you, and I used to do it to my own son, and I was wrong. And it's convicting. Abraham never staggered because overall Abraham lived a life of great obedience to God. I want you to know today, as long as you're breathing, there's hope for you to have faith. As long as you're alive, God can restore you. God can rebuild you. He can still finish you right. And no matter how many mistakes and failures you have in your past, hey, you can still live a life of faithfulness to God. Some of y'all needed to hear that. Because, hey, I want you to know God said it, because you're not going to get a lot of that from people. But we need to know God said it. You can still live a life of obedience and thankfulness to God. Abraham's faith had a foundation, and it was a foundation that was built on obedience to God. It still takes an obedient life to build great faith, church. Now, what does obedience look like to us today? God's never going to ask you to kill your children, although we wanted to at times. Amen? <clears throat> Amen. 
Bible said Abraham rose up early in the morning. I thought, well, if I'm going to kill him, it's gonna be, not going to be early in the morning. It's going to be at night, amen, where nobody's looking. <clears throat> but what does obedience look like? Well, for us, it can be some of the most practical things. Are you living an obedient life to God? Because sometimes, church, we get into a bad habit of thinking a disobedient life to God means living a wicked life. Do you realize that a disobedient life to God can be just being unkind to people? Being kind to people is not a suggestion. God commands us to treat others with respect and kindness. It's a command, and if we don't treat others that way, we're being disobedient. God commands us to forgive. I've seen Christians, I've counseled Christians that have struggled with their faith for years, and now one of the things I ask them, is there someone in your life that you need to forgive? Because if you haven't forgiven them, then you are living a disobedient life that God cannot bless, and your faith will not grow. It can be something like unforgiveness, being unkind. It can be the tone that you speak to people with, the tone you speak to your wife with, the tone you speak to your kids with. It can be not loving your neighbor. Disobedience is really a lot deeper than just living a wicked life. I remember we done a series on, or we done a Bible study in my small group on lying. And at first, my initial thought was, well, one thing I believe is honesty is the best policy. So I've always prided myself on, well, I don't lie to people. I just don't do that. Until I read the verse that said, if you say you love me, but you don't keep my commandments, you're a liar. Well, I'm a liar. Thank you, God, for humbling me again. Amen. We tend to think that obedience to God many times church is attending church, putting in an offering. And yes, those are commandments. Giving is a commandment. Hey, if you're not doing it, hey, I'm not judging anybody, but if you're not giving, and not just of your money, but of your time and your resources and of your heart to God, you're living a disobedient life. And your faith will not grow. Abraham's faith had a foundation and it was obedience. How's your obedience today? Number two, Abraham's faith had a focus. It had a focus. Now let's dive into this chapter and dig into here where he is going to offer his son. This man demonstrates this amazing faith of offering his son. How did he do it? Well, the Bible says in chapter 22, back in chapter 22, you have your Bibles, that Abraham was told to take his son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there in verse 2 for a burnt offering. So once again, he said, Abraham, I want you to offer your son. And what does Abraham do in verse 3? He got up early. He, here we go again, man. He just... What would you have said if God said, hey, I want you to offer your son? I mean, if that was me, verse 3 would have said, and Brother Butch said, nope, not going to happen. Can't do it. 
Not going to do it, God. But Abraham obeyed. Again, we notice immediate obedience by Abraham. God said to offer your son, and the Bible says he got up early the next morning. You know, you usually don't get up early unless you're excited about something. Amen? If that had been me, it would have looked a lot different. I would have said, Lord, why me? I can't tell you how many times, church, when we were dealing with our oldest son's addiction, that I said, why me, God? Why me? Why do I have to deal with this? Why do I have to go through this trial? Lord, I'm trying to serve you. I'm trying to do right. I'm trying to be a good husband and a good father. Why me? And the problem was I had gotten my eyes off God and got them on my problems and my situation. If I had stayed focused on God, and sometimes, hey church, when you're in the fire, it takes what they call a laser focus. I mean, you ever heard the term, you got to lock in? And sometimes you got to lock in, don't you? Or you'll fall apart. Maybe someone here today is on the brink and they just need to lock in. Number two, Abraham's faith had a focus. Your first note is his focus was on God and not his situation. How did he do this? How did he show this level of faith? Because his focus was not on the sacrifice. His focus was on the Savior. His focus was on what God would do to spare his son. His focus was on what God could do to save him that day. And he got up early. And once again, he obeyed God. So where's your focus today? Is it on your problems? Or is it on God? Abraham's eyes were locked on God this morning. Where's your focus? He was excited about God, what God was going to do. He was excited about a God church that had been faithful to him. Amen? Has God been faithful to you? Boy, it's so easy, isn't it, in the Christian life to let our eyes drift back to our problems, isn't it? It's so easy to let our eyes to lose focus of our Savior. It's so easy for us to lose sight of where God has brought us. Abraham remembered that God had led him to Canaan, that God had blessed him, that God had prospered him material-wise, that God had also restored him and forgiven him when he had failed. He most likely didn't understand what God was trying to do, but he knew God was faithful. Amen? Has God been faithful to you? Yes. I'm thankful for a faithful God today, church. Amen? I'm thankful, hey, we got a God that keeps His promises. And I don't know if I gave you the notes, but under the faith defined at the top, it's a deep conviction that God's words are true and that God will keep His promises. Aren't you glad we serve a God that keeps His promises? Because sometimes we don't, do we? But God keeps His promises. He's never failed on it, and He never will. He keeps His promises, and, they, and Abraham knew that. He didn't lose sight of a faithful God that had always kept His promises to him. Your second note under Abraham's faith had a focus. Is his faith was in God's ability and not his own. Abraham's faith that he demonstrated here was in God's ability. Look at verses 7 and 8. 
or let's get back up to verse 5, I'm sorry. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again. Abraham made the statement right there, I don't know how it's going to happen, but Isaac's coming back with me. I don't know what God's going to do, but we're going to go worship. And he's going to come back with me. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac and took the fire and the knife and they went them together. And Isaac said unto Abraham, my father, and he said, here am I, my son. He said, behold the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? How did Abraham deal with this? What was he thinking? He said, I and the lad will go up and worship and we will come again. His faith was in God's ability and not his own. We fail many times as a Christian church when we start putting too much faith in our ability. I had to learn a long time ago as a preacher, when you get up and speak to a crowd, you better not do it in your own ability. Now here's the thing, you can. You can, but you're so much better off just saying, Lord, use me today. Speak through me. I'm just a vessel. Lord, I need you to speak your word to your people today through me. Be careful about putting too much faith in your own ability. All throughout the Bible, we see David beat Goliath in this monumental fight. And we say, how did David do it? Because David believed in God's ability, not his own. I think about Mary giving birth to Jesus. And when the angel came to her, and Mary finally said, be it unto me. It was God's ability she believed in, not her own. His focus was on God's ability. How did he get through this? How did he offer his son that he loved to God? Because he was trusting in God's ability and not his own. Your next note is this. Our faith must be placed in an object, and it is dangerous when we place our faith in men, ourselves, or in faith alone. It's very dangerous. Listen, church. Be careful about putting your faith in another person. Be careful about putting your faith in a man. Amen. You know what? I've already told all four of my children. I want to build trust with you, but don't put your faith in me because I will let you down. Amen? Be careful because if your children put all their faith in you, you're going to let them down. And they're going to lose their faith. Tell them to put their faith in God and God alone because He will never let them down. I've seen preachers put faith in other preachers. Too much faith. And when something goes wrong, I see their faith decimated. Because they had it in the wrong place, amen? What's your faith in today? Is your faith in your career? Is your faith in your money? Is your faith in what your ability is? Is your faith, hey, in something material? Hey, regroup. Put your faith in God alone. It's very dangerous when you put your faith in something besides God. It's even dangerous when you put your faith in yourself. Man, we put our faith in ourselves sometimes. Well, I can do this. And I realize I can't love my enemies without God. 
God, give me more faith. Man, Abraham had an extreme level of faith here in chapter 22. But it was built, church. It, it was built on a life of overall obedience. It was built on a life that was laser-focused on God when God asked him to sacrifice. He, the only way he could do this is to stay locked in on God. If you're distracted today, you're in a dangerous situation. If your eyes have drifted off of Jesus, you're in a dangerous situation. Abraham had faith in God's ability and not his own, and God was able. He knew God was able to raise his son from the dead. He knew God was able to perform a miracle if he needed to. He knew that the same God who gave him Isaac at the age of 100 would deliver him if he needed to. Amen. I get caught too many times putting faith in my own ability. I've made the mistake of putting my faith in a person before. And I've been let down and my faith was shattered. But God's never let me down. I'm glad they sang that this morning. He's never going to let me down. Amen? You can put your faith in Him and anchor in because He will always come through, church. I've seen children put their faith in their parents. And then I've seen them shattered when their faith was decimated by actions. I don't want my kids to put their faith in me. I want them to have a trusted relationship with me, but don't put their faith in me. Because one day we're going to be gone, amen? Hey, one day we're going to be gone, but if my, kids, if my kids have put their faith in God and God alone when I'm long gone, they're going to be fine. His faith had a focus, a laser focus on God and God's ability. It didn't take ordinary faith this day. This was an extra mile faith. Lastly today, number three, Abraham's faith had a finisher. Amen? Aren't you glad that he finishes us? Amen? Man, he had a finisher. I love that. Look at verses 9 through 12. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him upon the altar of wood. Now I've often asked myself the question, was Abraham really going to go through with this? Was he really going to slay his son? Well, look at verse 10. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Yes, the answer is yes. He was willing to slay his son. And we find out in Hebrews, we find out that the Hebrew writer tells us if he had slain his son, God would have raised him from the dead because God's not going to break his promises. Was he willing to do it? Yes, he was willing to do it. He was willing to sacrifice. But God finished his faith. Hallelujah. I wonder what Abraham was thinking. The Bible says he raised the knife and he was ready to slay his son. In verse 11, the Bible says, And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad. 
Neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, Isaac, for me. God provided. Amen? Man, I love this part of the story. Just at the right time. I believe in your notes, the note is this. God provided at just the right time. Just the right time. And then the next note is this. Faith is always matured in God's timing and not ours. Just the right time. Isn't that just like God? Man, he, he took Abraham to the brink, didn't he? Have you ever been taken to the brink? Have you ever been taken to the very edge where you didn't know if he's going to make it? Have you ever been taken? I remember when we were dealing with our son. Hey, there were mornings I got up and I couldn't hardly breathe. I didn't tell anybody. But spiritually and emotionally, I was broken. I was defeated. I didn't think I was going to make it. Man, I was at the brink. But God provided. Don't quit. He provided. If you're one of His children, stay focused on His faithfulness. Stay focused on His ability. And when life takes its toll, hey, when you're teetering on the brink, when you're teetering on throwing in the towel and quitting, I'm telling you, hey, when you're about to raise the knife, God will provide. He'll provide. He'll finish you. I'm looking forward to God finishing me. Amen? I'm, I'm, on the back, I'm in the fourth quarter of life probably. Amen? Nobody in my family lives past 65, bless God. Nobody. Every man in my family's died at 65, except for my Uncle Johnny, so we're watching him closely. I'm, I'm fixing to turn 58, so Lord willing, I'm going to break the curse, amen? But I know I'm on the backside of my life, but you know what? I want God to finish me. I want Him to finish me. I've been to the brink a few times. Some of you young people hadn't been there yet. But God's going to take you to the brink. He's going, hey, you're going to come to a point in your life, all four of my kids are going to come to a point in their life where they're going to have to make a decision, hey, to trust Him or quit. And my encouragement to you today, if you hadn't been there, hey, when that moment comes, hey, hang on. Hang on, God's going to provide. If he don't, you're going to make history. You're going to be the first person he ever didn't come through for. He's going to come through, church. Stay focused on his ability and his faithfulness, and he will finish you. Aren't you glad in life it really is how you finish and not how you start? Some of you may not have had a good start in life, but I want you to know today you can finish right. Whatever time God gives you, you can live a life that's pleasing to the Lord you can live a life, you can get by over your past failures and mistakes, and you can get over your future failures and mistakes, and God can honor your life and bless you and finish you right. Hey, a life that honors and praises God, he said in First Peter, hey, it's the trying of your faith that brings me glory and brings me praise. Let's quit looking at our trials and complaining. Let's start saying, man, this is an opportunity for my life to praise God. God finished. How did He finish? Well, the angel stopped Him. 
And the Bible says in verse 13, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was what? A ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. As it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. God provided. He gave him a ram. You see the beautiful picture we see here of what God did for us? See, you and I, we're Isaac. We deserve to die, though. That's the difference. But God provided a sacrifice. Amen? Aren't you glad you don't have to die for your sin? God provided a ram. If you study that out, I love this. I love this, church. A ram was considered the highest offering that one could offer. It was the most prized offering. It was the most expensive, the most costly. The most prized possession that a Jew could offer on Atonement Day was a ram. Most of them offered a lamb. Some of the poor people offered doves. But God had a ram caught in the thicket because it represents the highest offering ever given to man, the Son of God. He gave us His best, didn't He? And if you look real closely at that ram caught in that thicket, you can see Jesus with a crown of thorns, can't you? Our substitute. Boy, he finishes, don't he? I'd say God finished pretty strong here, amen? God finishes. Your final notes today, and we'll wrap up. God kept his promise to Abraham. Hey, church, he's going to keep his promises. You can bank on it. You need to claim the old song still true, isn't it? Standing on the promises of God. I'm standing on them today. I'm counting on it. Hey, I'm standing on the promise that Jesus died for my sin. I've trusted in him. Hey, I'm standing on the promise that if I'll raise my children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, that when they're old, they won't depart from it. I'm standing on that. That's a promise. I'm standing on the promise that if I'll put God first in my life and be a giver and love people that God will bless, I'm standing on it. Because God finishes Your last notes are this. God never wanted Abraham to offer his son, but he did want him to be willing to. You know what? Many times God spoke to me about sacrificing or doing something. I'm thinking, man, I don't think I can do that. And when I finally gave in, God said, I didn't really want you to. I just wanted you to be willing to. (laughs) Your last notes... Genuine faith is not is just giving God total control no matter the cost. And then lastly, genuine faith is trusting God no matter the outcome. Man, I think about, you want to know what real faith is? I think about the Hebrew children. I think preacher mentioned this a few weeks ago. Who went down in the fire. And they said, hey, we're not going to bow. We think God will deliver us, but we ain't bowing. But if he don't, we still ain't going to bow. See, real faith is trusting God no matter the outcome. It's not just trusting God thinking he's going to do what you want him to do. 
is trusting God no matter what happens. Hey, I want that kind of faith, church. Preachers put this theme together this month of extra mile Christian living. Today we've looked at faith. You want to take your faith to another level, next level? It's going to take a life of obedience. And when you mess up, don't let others judge you on that mistake. Just ask God to forgive you and move on. It's going to take a laser focus on Jesus. And there's going to be times you're going to come to the brink and you're going to have to make a choice. But I want you to know God will finish. If God's dealing with you about your faith today and you just need to come and say, Lord, help me to live a more obedient life. Lord, help me to stay focused on you and not my problems. Lord, I'm going to claim today your promises and I'm going to ask you to help me to grow my faith to another level. I want another level of faith. If that's you today, come today and pray. If you're here today and you're lost, I want you to know, for by grace are you saved through faith. Say, Brother Butch, what do I need to do to be saved? Ask Him to save you. It's not hard. It's a free gift. It's not always easy to get saved, but it's a free gift. And God will give you the faith to save you. God's dealt with you today. I hope you'll come and take advantage of an opportunity to talk to God today. Let's all stand. Father, I thank you for your word. And Lord, as I preach today, I'm preaching from a very humble spirit. I'm not there. I, I would have to admit today, my faith is not at this level. And maybe it's because I need to live a more obedient life. I need to obey better. Maybe it's because I need to get refocused on Jesus. Get my eyes off my problems and lock in on you, God. Help me to do that. I want to grow in my faith. Maybe it's because I don't realize the finisher you are, God. Thank you for being a strong... Lord, you, I can't wait to see how you finish this thing. It's going to be unbelievable. Now help me to claim it in my daily walk. Bless this invitation. Deal with your people, God. If there's, if there's lost people in our service, save them today through faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.